Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm glad to see you in the house of the Lord today. You've made a good decision. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers out here. Amen. I'm thankful for you. Thankful for you. If any of y'all, if you have your children or grown up and you're kind of at that age where you're missing changing diapers, let me know. I can let you have that experience later today and help with Naomi afterwards if you want to change another diaper. If you miss, anyone miss the diaper days? No, you don't miss changing them. You might miss the little pitter-patter of the foots, right? But those diapers, oh, Lord, don't bring them back. Happy Mother's Day to you. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm thankful for you. Amen. There's no better place you can be than in a house of faith. Amen. There really is no better place you can be than in the presence of God. And that's our desire today. As we've come here, that's what exactly is taking place right now. We know that we are, as the Bible tells us, temples of the Holy Spirit. And when we get a bunch of little temples all joining together, there's just an overflow and an abundance of the presence of God. How many is thankful for that? Because here's the reality. When you get in the midst of God and in his presence, there's just no need that goes unmet. He's more than enough in every situation. He can answer every question. He's the solution to every problem. He has it stored up before you, it even, the problem or a question even exists. He's a good and faithful Loving God. How many knows that to be true? Say amen if you do. Let's go ahead and make our confession today. If you're visiting with us today, this is what we do every Sunday. We make our confession to get our hearts and our minds primed because really your mouth is connected to your heart. So we're going to say this by faith. We say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the word of God. I boldly confess, my mind's alert, my heart's receptive, I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout amen. Amen. Hallelujah, I believe it. Yes, Lord. May I never remain the same. God stays the same. He's unchanging. But you and me, we keep on getting perfected again and again and again. Amen. As Jesus said, be you perfect even as your Father is perfect. You might think, well, I'm not perfect. Well, hey, praise God, you can keep getting refined. And just like a shrub has to be pruned, I had to trim some shrubs Friday. The only problem with trimming shrubs is they grow back. Amen. It's like grass. How nice would it be? Some of y'all will enjoy cutting your grass, and I like, I like cutting it too. But I like being finished with cutting the grass more than I do at the actual cutting of the grass. The only thing I wish that, you know, would happen with grass or shrubs or things like that is if you did it once, it stayed that way. But that's not how it works. And we're not like that either. We're constantly growing. And then also if there's something that's coming off of us that don't need to be there, we say, Master Gardener, Lord Christ Jesus, clip it away. Amen? Because we don't want anything in us that's not like Christ. We want to be refined like pure silver. Amen. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, I want to share something the Lord put on my heart. This was Saturday, a full week ago, eight days ago. I was praying during men's prayer and Bible study earlier that morning. 
and wasn't even thinking really about Mother's Day. I know that sounds funny, but usually I just think about Father's Day and what Laura might get me. But I didn't have Mother's Day on my mind. But the Lord put this on my heart, and I'm thankful for it. 1 Samuel 1, we're going to start right at verse 1. Let God establish his word. I want you to say that out loud. And I'm not going to make you repeat things all day today. Just maybe a few more times. But say this out loud. Say, let God establish his word. Now, some people might say, well, what do you mean, let God? Now, I didn't just come up with this. I didn't find it in a uh, fortune cookie. I I didn't read it on the back of a Cracker Cracker Jack box. We're going to see that the word of God says that point blank. Let God establish his word. Let's go through a few verses of scripture here in 1 Samuel 1. 1 Samuel 1, verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramatham Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroam, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zoph, uh, an Ephraimite. How many is proud that I got through every one of those words one time? You won't know how many times I listened to YouTube to make sure I wasn't saying it the wrong way. Verse 2. And he had two wives. Someone say, "Uh uh-oh. Some men think they want two wives. They haven't figured out what to do with the first one. Amen. He had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, the easiest name in the whole passage. And the the, the name of the other was Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli who was the priest at that time, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. Verse 5. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. The King James says a worthy portion, which means double. For he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 6. And her rival also provoked her severely. That's Penina to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Verse 7, so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she, Penina, provoked her, Hannah. Therefore, Hannah did weep and did not eat. Now notice a couple things before we move on. In order for God to establish his word in your life, you've got to put him first in your life. The Lord cannot be second, third, fourth, fifth, 22nd place. Though it may be popular in the culture today to have participation trophies, the Lord does not want a participation trophy. He wants first place or no place. That's what the word Lord means. It means master. It implies that I am submitted to him. Now, some people don't like that because they have a problem with authority and a spirit of rebellion. But the reality is, the person who has my best good and interest is the Lord. And when I submit to him, I'm submitting to the absolute perfect highest will for my life. If I want the best for me, I need to go to God. Because he actually has in plan, and the power to bring about the absolute best for me. I just can't get a better life than what God will bring to me. But it requires submission. Someone say submission. 
it requires putting God first. And that, that, that's a little tricky for us, especially considering we're American, you know, Americans. Most of us are probably natural born Americans. Maybe you have immigrated here. Most of the people watching on YouTube and Facebook are. Some, we get some international viewers as well. But the spirit of America was birthed in rebellion or, if you will, revolution. There's a very independent nature in our identity as a nation. But you have to understand, as much as I love this nation, as much as I've wept and cried to see that it would turn back to God who I truly believe birthed it some 200-odd years ago, my allegiance does not ally with America. I am a Christian. Yes, I am an American, but I am a Christian. And God has anointed you and me as an American, as, excuse me, as a Christian to see America shaken. And it requires putting God above everything, above politics, above money, above family. You know, Jesus said this. He said, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. That doesn't quite sound like hippie Jesus that a lot of people talk about, does it? You know what I'm talking about? The hippie Jesus that just says love wins and runs around throwing out flowers everywhere. Pasty white. I don't know why he's pale white. He's whiter than me, especially in the summer because I get golden brown or, you know, cook 350 till 13 minutes or until golden brown. You, it's all right. You can laugh. It's a joke. We don't have a Polaroid of Jesus. But for some reason, they, people can, can, you know, create this idea. And what it is, it's idolatry. Rather than submitting to the truth of who God is. You've got to put God first. Which means when he says yes, I say yes. If he says no, I say no. If he says go, I go. If he says don't, I don't. If he says it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. And I don't have to ask a question about it. You have to put God first. Because in order to establish your life and your house, you're going to have to be godly, not religious. Now look, we just read it. Look at verse 3. This man, Elkanah, went up from a city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Now, this first chapter, first two chapters, is about the birth of Samuel, who will be a prophet and a priest to Israel, and will anoint the first king, human king, I should say. The first king of Israel was God. They rejected him and wanted a man king. And he anoints Saul and David, but he's a mighty man of God. Now, here's, the, here's what's so interesting in verse 3. It tells us what Elkanah and his family did, the father and mother of Samuel. But it also tells us that Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. If you keep on reading, Eli, this priest, had grown fat off the offerings of the people of Israel. He had abdicated his authority as a priest. He was not living holy unto God. And even worse, as a father, he was allowing his sons to commit sins in the house of God. It's one thing to commit sins in secret. In fact, that's where everyone wants to commit sin is in the dark, in secret. But they were doing it openly in the house of God. Seducing women, they were getting drunk. They were just openly sinning in the house of God. So what do I see here? In order to put God first, you've got to be real with God. These men lived in the house of God, but it didn't change them. 
These priests were doing godly things, the priestly roles, but it didn't change who they were. They'd sin and sacrifice. Sacrifice and sin. But Elkanah, he didn't live in the tabernacle. His family had to travel to church. But when he did it, he did it for real. When he showed up, he showed up to worship God. See, Psalms 27, 4 says this, One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You get to a point where in order for God to establish his word in your life, you've got to get to a one thing type of life. Someone say one thing. You've got to get to a point where you desire one thing. You know, if you really want to make progress in anything in life, you've got to have focus. I know some people say they're good at multitasking. You may be here today and say you are. I personally do not believe you can truly multitask, like do two, three, four things equally as well all at the same time. I'm not talking about chewing gum and walking, right? I, but I mean like, you know, having a real conversation with someone while on the cell phone. Are you guilty of that? I'm talking about if you're going to do something, you've got to have one focus. You have to have a desire. If, I, if I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to, everything I eat, I'm going to be more active. Everything's changing. I've I'm, I'm got this one thing in front of me that I'm pursuing with everything in me. If, if, I, if I'm going to be a student of the Bible, I have a plan to read it. I, I'm listening to it. It's the one thing I'm trying to get after. You've got to have your heart and your mind set on one thing. And someone that's going to allow God to establish or confirm his word in their life, they've gotten to the place of one thing. I'm going to seek God. And if anything tries to stop me from that, it will have to bow its knee. I will not bow my knee to the gods of this culture. If it becomes politically incorrect to preach this gospel... Well, sign me up for the politically incorrect list. If it becomes like some of our Canadian brothers they, that have been locked up for holding church, make sure you fluff my pillow in the prison cell. I've got one thing. I'm serving Jesus, and I'm not turning back. And that's the place you get to. I'm talking about getting real with God. You get to a place where it just doesn't matter what anyone else says, what anyone else does. I refuse to turn my back on God. It's the old time song. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Jesus said the person that puts his hand to the gospel plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. The lusts of this world have fallen off. The desires of what man can give me no longer have an appeal because I have one thing that my heart and mind set on, and that's to seek the face of God. And that's the difference between godly and religious because you've got Eli and his sons. They're very religious, but they don't know God. But Elkanah and his wife, Hannah, they know God. Now, look, how, how would you like to feel about this, ladies? Because the reality is we don't, we don't see it point blank. But you might think, well, now, why did, uh, why did Elkanah have two wives? Now, let me just go ahead and make this point. This is what some people will try to do. They'll try to say, you know, the Bible contradicts itself. Because there's people practicing polygamy in the Old Testament. How can you define what marriage is anyway? 
Well, here's, look, look for, your, for yourself. Read the Bible yourself. At no point does God ever endorse polygamy. Look every time. All you got to do is look at one, Solomon. He, he goes on a wife spree. What, 300 wives? And then I guess he decided to quit, you know, making up, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Was it 700 concubines? I guess he just got tired of going through the wedding ceremony. You would think at that point, just like get all 700 up, the, up there and just him just say, I do, and they all walk off. And what did it do? It drove him to destruction. There's not a time in Scripture where anything other than one man and one woman works. And there's nothing else that God blesses. In fact, Jesus said it was because of the hardness of men's heart that God overlooked it. I just want to say that. Because people, people like, they'll, they'll think, oh, I got I you, gotcha, gotcha. No, I know this book, and that's not a gotcha. Look and see. You can't find God endorse it. The 11th commandment is thou shalt have more than one wife. It's not there. It's not there. You can't find it. But imagine this, ladies. Imagine how Hannah felt. Why didn't he have more than one wife? Because she couldn't have children. He loved her. You might say, that's kind of an odd love, isn't it? I love you, baby, but she's my childbearing woman. Could you imagine how, how much that would hurt? How much that would just tear your soul out? And Elkanah, he gets some good things right. You understand, they don't, have every, they don't have the gift of the Bible that we have. They don't have the gift of the Holy Spirit indwelling in us like we, like we do. They didn't have that. They had very limited knowledge. He's acting on some limited knowledge, allowing culture to seep into his mind. Other people do it. After all, Abraham, right? Father of our faith, he did it with Hagar. But imagine how Hannah felt. Let me tell you something. People aren't always going to treat you right. I wish they would, but they won't. But when someone ridicules you, notice this. Verse 6. And her rival, Penina, also provoked her severely. The other woman that could have children is ridiculing Hannah. Now, now keep on going, verse 8. We had not read this one yet. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Miss Nellie's laughing. I laughed too the first time I read through it. Some people will ridicule you, but look here, some people will pity you. And you don't need to submit to either of those. Just because someone's got an opinion doesn't mean it matters. Uh-oh. Are you able to say that in 2022? It's like an armpit. Everyone's got them. Some of them stink. Now, notice I said pity, not compassion. What's the difference? Human pity will say, oh, you poor thing. I'm going to feel sorry for you. Oh, it's... It's just so sad, isn't it? Oh, I wish I could do something for you. Godly compassion is rise up and walk. What Peter said to that lame man at the gate called Beautiful who hadn't walked from the day he was born. And he's begging. He's a beggar. He can't do anything but beg. And Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto thee. Rise up in the name of Christ Jesus and walk. Everyone that walked by him pitied him. 
Here's a little bit for your sad situation. But Jesus, or excuse me, Peter, with the anointing of the Holy Ghost, shows up and he brings godly compassion, which changes the situation. I want you to know this. There may be something in your life that people have ridiculed or pitied, but God, with compassion, can change it in a moment. Because Elkanah, he's thinking, I, you know what, I, I give you twice as much to eat when, when we'll go out to eat. Man, if I was Hannah, I'd think, well, not only does that not help, but it's really hurting my waistline. I'm trying to continue to fit in these dresses, and you doubling up all the ice cream you give me. We went out to eat with, with Mom and Dad, uh, all of us, and, and, of course, Naomi's there. And it's lunchtime, and I don't normally eat ice cream after lunchtime, but Naomi was there. So that meant we got ice cream. It's that grandparent rule, I guess. I, I mean... And then it rubbed off on me. She was eating animal crackers in, at 9 a.m. yesterday morning. You say, why was she doing that? Because I was watching her and Laura was gone. <laughs> Luke knows about it. <laughs> what, what you want? Oh, you want ice cream and cookies? Oh, that's 8.15. That's all right. That's close enough to supper. Yeah, go ahead. Ridicule and pity, what did it do to Hannah, though? Look at verse 9, the next verse. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating. They had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Uh, I, I can't go past this yet. It's not, don't, don't, be, don't be upset with people. Uh, don't, don't be mad or angry. But you need to know something. It's just the way the human mind and nature works. Unless... The Holy Spirit softens and feels and directs a person. Generally speaking, people will never care as much about your problem as you do. It's just not natural. God bless me, my wife, my son, my daughter, us four, and no more. Amen. Right? That's the prayer, right? I'm not prophesying. I didn't, I, you say, does he have a son? Because if I would have said it, God bless me, my wife, our 12 children in the passenger van, amen. Lars, that's a Mother's Day gift, Lars. 11 more to go. People, pe you think I'm joking. People, people will never consider, naturally speaking, I'm not talking about people of God. When the heart, when the compassion of Christ is in you, you look on people as God sees them. And that should be your prayer. Lord, I want to see people the way you see them. And that will make you do things you never thought you would do. You will help people you've never thought you would help. You will see people, and it's not even like you were trying not to see them. It's just some people get overlooked by the spirit of this world. But the downcast, the broken, you'll see them. And you'll love them. I've been there. I know you have too. And you think, I don't know why. It's just, I love this person. You know what I'm saying? A godly love. I care for this person. I weep in prayer for this person. They don't they even know me. But generally speaking, people are going to be eating and drinking while you're desiring to have the promise of God fulfilled in your life. They'll ridicule, they'll pity, they'll eat and they'll drink and not notice. Now look, verse 9. So what does she do? So Hannah arose after they finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. Verse 10, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow 
and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the infliction of your maidservant, remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. If you want the Lord to establish his word in you, you've got to believe in the power of prayer. And not just believe in the power of prayer, you've got to believe in your prayer. That may sound strange to some people. Well, I believe in God, but what do you mean believe in my prayer? If you don't think God hears your prayer and answers your prayer by the basis of the word of God, you won't get an answer to prayer. You actually have to have faith in the prayer you're praying. And look, I'm very simple. This is a phrase. I don't know if I was the first one to ever say it, but I've said it so many times. I'm going to coin it for myself. But I, I say this. I pray with an open Bible. Now, can I pray without having my Bible? Yeah, in time of emergency, for sure. But in my daily prayer time, I am not praying if I don't have my Bible. I am flipping and turning, not reading, but turning and, Lord, I thank you, your word says this. Because the book of Isaiah says, bring to my remembrance my word. God is saying, bring to my remembrance my word. 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, then we know what we've asked of him. We'll have what we've asked of him. Well, here's the trick. One question, how do we know his will? He's written it. And you have, if you want God to establish his word in your life, you've got to believe in the supernatural power of prayer that though it doesn't look like a natural strength, though it doesn't seem normal to do, that I can call on God and he will change the situation. Because I'm going to tell you something. That's the only hope anybody has is hope in God. You can't elect hope. You can't pass legislation to produce hope. You you can't have a better economic plan. You can't hope another billionaire does this or that. Some people trust in chariots and horses, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. You've got to put your trust in God because at the end of the day, he's the only person who really can do anything. Man can only try to tinker here and there. Benina, ridicules. Elkanah, pities. But Hannah does not allow what has taken place in her life, hardships, true hardships, to make her turn from God. She turned towards God. She goes through the ridicule. She goes through the pity. They're eating. They're drinking. I'm going to pray. Let me tell you something. You want to get down the road of life with God to see his will come to pass in your life, sometimes when people are eating and drinking, you're going to have to leave the table and go pray. You say, well, you're talking about prayer and fasting. Yeah, I think it's a very powerful discipline in, in the life of the Christian believer. And prayer, prayer with fasting, uh, it was something so oftenly taught and throughout the scripture and the early church. You say, well, what happened? Well, they didn't have Wendy's and Burger King and Zagsby's and Chick-fil-A every point two seven miles down the road. You are constantly bombarded with food. 
Amen. I mean, you, you can't walk out the door without see, you know, seeing signs of food. I need, I need a snack between my second snack before my first lunch and then another snack after my second lunch. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? The Bible says those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Just like some of you who at 12.07 will say, my Lord, either he has to be quiet or Jesus come rapture us, I've got to eat. When you can get that urge for the things of God, you'll get some progress. You think it sounds simple, but it's true. The things of God are very simple. Hunger and thirst for the things of righteousness. While they were eating and drinking, Hannah was praying. Now look at this. What does she do? Verse 12, and it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, the priest, the man in charge of the church, watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but you've poured out my soul, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your handmaiden a wicked woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I've spoken until now. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Sometimes people who should think the best of you may think the worst of you. Here's the priest seeing a woman. Think about that. At this point in time, it's right after the end of the book of Judges, and the book, end of book of Judges says that in that day, man did everything that, he seemed, that seemed right in his own sight. In other words, he was just sinning like no tomorrow. And Eli, he's supposed to be holy before the Lord. Him and his sons are sinning like no tomorrow. And the only woman that shows up with a spirit of prayer, desiring the things of God, gets accused of being a drunk. It had been so long since they'd seen someone really pray that they didn't know how to handle it. The priest, the high priest that stands before Israel and God didn't even see a woman of prayer when she was right before his eyes pouring out her soul before God. I want you to know this. The life that you live in the spirit of God won't look natural. You'll do some things that seem strange to people. Why do they raise their hands? Because I've surrendered everything I've got to Jesus. That's what you do when you surrender. That's what you do. When, why do they jump and run? Because when they score footballs, they jump and run. Uh, you know, foot, score footballs. I don't know anything about sports. They score a touchdown. I need a hat that says, yay sports. That's about all I know. When they score a touchdown, they run and jump. The players run and jump. Man, I'm playing a game that's eternal. And when I score a win, I can run and jump too, praise God. When people win the lottery and they get $1.2 million that they don't know how to manage and spend it off in nine months, they, ah, you know, they just jump it up. I hit the biggest lottery there ever was. I found the Lord Jesus Christ and I've been saved and set free from sin. It shouldn't look natural when you serve God because you serve a supernatural God. You serve a God that is above all circumstances. 
Oh, just see, it's like when they said to David, when his, that first wife of his, you, now you know why she was the first wife of David. She said, well, didn't you look good running around in your linen ephod? No one could see him in that. It's his linen garment. Well, didn't you look good running around from the daughters of Israel? He said, woman, I was praising God. And I can get even more undignified than that. There's something about shamelessness before God. Luke 11 says this. Jesus is teaching this parable on prayer. And he said there's a man has some visitors come in very late at night. And according to Jewish law and custom, he is required to bring a meal to these travelers. But he don't have anything. He doesn't have anything. It was like me yesterday. We hadn't went grocery shopping. Laura was working. And I told Naomi, I said, we're going to Ingalls and getting you a cup of macaroni and cheese. Because Dada's taking care of it. Yeah, I started with cookies and ended with macaroni and cheese. Amen. She loved, she loved it yesterday. I don't know why she couldn't sleep last night and, you know, blow out everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and so by Jewish law, they're, to re- they're required to bring food to these travelers. Because, again, there's no Chick-fil-A that you can go in 1.27 minutes and get, come in one side and out the other with 17 strips of chicken. Imagine if Chick-fil-A ran the highway department. Amen? Or the White House. Post office. My home. <laughs> now, that wasn't attack on Lark. Don't look, uh-oh. So he's required to put a meal before these traveling people. He didn't have anything. So he goes to his neighbor. This is the story Jesus is teaching. He goes to his neighbor. He said, I need bread. He, he's knocking on the door. It's late at night. Wrong time to ask. And the guy said, I, here I am. I'm asleep. The whole house is asleep. But who's knocking on the door? Who's knocking on the door? And he goes out and the guy says, I need bread. I need bread. Because I have someone that's come to my house and I don't have anything to give them. And I need some bread that you've got so I can take it back to them. He had shamelessness. You know, oftentimes prayer is just pouring your soul out before God. It's getting before God. I don't care if anyone can hear me. I don't care if anyone can see me. I'm not doing it for them anyway. You know, it's like that one person that said, I didn't really enjoy worship Sunday. That's all right. We weren't worshiping you. It don't matter. It don't matter what people see, what people hear. It don't matter what judgments people pass. I'm just pouring my soul out before God because I know that's where my help comes from. I lift up my eyes into the hills for that is where my help comes from. And Hannah refused to be pitied. She refused to be, remain the object of ridicule. And even when the high priest, a dead man in religion, couldn't understand her prayer, she poured her soul out to God. Because she knew what she needed from in life could only come from God. You know, Jesus did that. Hebrews 5, 7 says that while he was in the days of his flesh, that he, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears, unto him was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. It ain't about how much you cry or if you cry or, well, I don't know if I, my prayer worked because I didn't show a certain emotion. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the prayer of faith seeps through every member of your body, your soul, and your spirit. You get so focused. It's called, the Bible calls it the eye of the spirit. You get so singular. This is what I'm believing God for. 
and I shall see it come to pass in my life. Now notice this. Prayer, prayer, the process of prayer will humble you. If you'll notice what we just read, Hannah says five different times, your handmaid, your handmaid, your handmaid, your maidservant, your maidservant. She went before the Lord, Lord, I'm just a servant. And I'm asking of you the master. See, the Bible says in John, James 4, 6, but he gives more grace. Someone say more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. God resists. Someone say resists. Resists the proud. That word in the Greek literally means actively wages war against. You want to be an enemy of God? Rest in your pride. But if you want more grace, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 tells us that. Casting all your cares. Notice that. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You've got some cares? You were never meant to carry those cares. You were never purposed to carry those burdens. Lay them onto the Lord. Pour your soul out before God because he hears you. And he will... Give you more grace. Grace for what? To endure? To receive. To receive from God. What is a good prayer? An answered prayer. You know, it, it's, it, people say these silly things. I've said it before. And it's, but people say these silly things. Well, bless God, God is sometimes like a stoplight. Sometimes he says stop. Sometimes go and sometimes wait. The only time God says stop is if you're doing the wrong thing. Only times he said go is when you actually, you know, are on the word. But it's like, like some people think that God's a, a, a roulette wheel. I know none of y'all know that because you saved and sanctified. But it's this thing that spins and people gamble on it. And when it spins, maybe I'll win it, maybe I don't. Who knows? That's not God. God has, the Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things are of the Lord, but that which he has revealed, they are mine and my children's. God has revealed himself to us through his word. And why could Hannah pray this prayer? I'll tell you why. She knew the mother of her faith, Sarah, prayed that prayer. She knew Rebecca prayed that prayer. She knew Rachel prayed that prayer. She knew that God was the one that could answer her prayer. And she didn't get grace just to endure. She got grace to receive. Notice this, verse 18. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate her face. It was ate her face. And went her way and ate. That would be weird. And ate and her face was no longer sad. I put the comma in the wrong place. Went her way and ate and her face was no longer sad. Had anything physically changed? Had anything physically changed? Did anything look different? She got a word from God. And the word from God was the basis, the foundation for how she decided to act from that point forward. Because we're not walking by sight. We walk by faith. I'm not keeping my eyes. The eyes of my flesh is not telling me what I believe, but rather my heart believes and it produces and, we'll, and my eyes will see come to pass what my heart believes. Hannah wrote, now look at this, Hannah rose above her emotions. I don't know how long she was there. Ten minutes? Three hours? Doesn't tell us. But I know this. 
She was sad. Now she's happy. She got before the presence of God, and she got just what she wanted from the Lord. It's like that old-time song, I got just what I wanted from the Lord. She got an answer to her prayer. How long should you pray? Till you get an answer. How long should you pray? Till you receive what God's promised. And look here, it's not because God's saying, uh, I, nah, I'm not going to do it. Oh, they asked 178th time. I got to do it now. Prayer changes us. That's, that's the whole point about prayer and fasting. Ain't gonna, we're going to move God. I don't want God to move. He's perfect. This old boy needs to move. This, this guy needs to get cleaned out. This guy needs to get in the right spot. Because I know that God's faithful and his promises are yes and amen. See, it's not about how long or what you do. It's about faith. But there's some natural things that you may have to submit or crucify to get your faith turned on. Because I know this, God answers the prayer of faith. And whatever I need to do to get in the place of believing, I'll do it. You know, I can sympathize with that man that said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I'm believing, but if there's anything in me that is contrary to believing, Lord, I don't want it anymore. I want it out of me. It's a continual process. And Hannah, when she got the word from God, she left. Now notice, the vessel wasn't perfect. Eli was not a good priest. He was wicked. Sometimes God will use strange vessels. He will. But she received that as a word for her. She received that as a word for her, and she left. Now, verse 19, Then they arose early in the morning, worshipped before the Lord, returned and came to the house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. Someone say, The Lord will remember me. Faith requires action. I don't need to tell any of the mothers or fathers here, but they acted on the word. I'm not trying to be vulgar or anything, but verse 19, Elkanah knew his wife. But I make this point because it's simple. Don't go to God and ask God in prayer for something and don't act on what you're believing he'll do. Because faith without corresponding action is dead. If you really believe something, you can see it because you change the way you live. Amen. And imagine this. Seriously, ladies, think about it. How long had they been, has she been second woman in this situation? She might think, I ain't going to touch you with a 10-foot pole, okay? Get out of here. You can go on back to your other tent. No, I'm going to have what, God's, what God has promised me. I'm going to receive what I believe God will give me. I will have my portion. God has remembered me. The mind of God has turned on me. She made a vow. Notice that. She made a vow. We're coming up to a close here. Notice this. So it came to pass, verse 20, in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I've asked for him from the Lord. Now the man Elkanah and all his house, they went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Notice, he's got a vow with God. He's got something personal. It's not just the yearly worship. He's got something personal with God. He has a personal relationship with God. Verse 22, but Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned. Then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you've weaned him. Only let the Lord establish 
his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Hannah made a vow to God. The Bible tells us that vows were to be made, but voluntary. It's something personal. It's something individual. And when they are made, they are to be kept. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy says, don't make a vow if you don't plan on keeping it because it's a sin unto God. If you're here today and you've made a promise to God, Lord, I'll do this if you do this, he's fulfilled his part and you've not fulfilled your part, repent and fulfill your part. Make it right with God. Lord, if you get me out of this, I promise you I'll serve you. God's saying, it's been 22 years now. We can get on it. Come on. If you make a vow to God, he's faithful to fulfill his part, fulfill yours. That's what Hannah is doing here. And and according to Numbers chapter 30, the husband had the right to annul Hannah's vow. Elkanah had the right to annul Hannah's vow if he thought that it was just, that's too wild, that you can't do that. Which means she, he was in agreement with her. Okay, we're going to have a son. He'll, never, he'll, he'll be given to the Lord all the days of his life. He'll never have a razor touch his head. He'll be a Nazarite and a priest. Okay, I'm with you. We'll do it. We'll do it. Now notice this, verse 26. And Hannah said to Eli, Oh, my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I've asked of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent or given a gift to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. Hannah kept her vow. Hannah got what she desired from the Lord. Hannah got serious before God. Hannah had one desire. I want a son. She yielded herself to God. She obeyed God. She fulfilled her vow. But notice this. She didn't leave once she got what she asked God for. God's merciful. But I've seen, unfortunately... I've seen some people, they get an answer to prayer, a mighty answer to prayer, and they grow cold toward the things of God. And it should have been, it should have brought them closer, but it didn't. They, they got it and forgot God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 8, 11, beware that you forget not the Lord your God. See, in the day that you get the answer to your prayer, don't forget who answered the prayer. When you get what you've asked and desired of God and his promise has been fulfilled in your life, don't forget to give God the glory. In fact, the Holy Spirit moves on Hannah and for the next 10 verses, she sings out this spirit-filled song of worship to God. She begins to magnify God. She begins to worship God and say, In you, Lord, I have found salvation. Not only did you give me a son, I found salvation in you. And she begins to magnify God. When you get an answer to prayer, the only reasonable response is thanksgiving and worship and praise. It's gratefulness. Because an ungrateful heart will actually harden yourself to the things of God. God said that to the people of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. He said, because in your day of prosperity, you did not serve me with joy and gladness. You went into sin and now have to bring this destruction. But gratefulness, like humility, will keep your heart soft and tender and broken 
before the Lord. Not broken in a bad way, but laid open before God. And the Bible says a broken and a contrite heart, a heart that's laid open before God, he will not refuse. I want to finish right here. Chapter 2, verse 21. The Lord visited Hannah so that she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. That's the God I serve. She wanted one son. She ended up with six children. Hallelujah. Maybe there's a Hannah anointing here. Anyone want some go from one to six? Don't rush the altars yet. What she asked of God, that's just the nature of God. He's El Shaddai. He is the God of more than enough. You know, I've had to stop myself sometimes when I know when I'm praying to God, and I've just said, Lord, I, forgive me. I just asked you for something that I can do that, like, I just kind of wanted it to happen, and right down, when it came right down to it, I probably could make it happen. Therefore, it's not material for a miracle. You know, it's like, Lord, uh, I, I want to I get healthy in my body. Zap me and make me healthy. When he's saying, you just cooked 18 cookies yesterday. Eat one a day instead of six a day and you'll be healthy. You know, sometimes we pray those prayers, which really what we need is not a miracle or a hand of God. We need self-control. Lord, bless me, prosper me. Quit using your credit card. Lord, bless me. Charge it. Miracles require you to be in a place where there's no other option. Lest God move his hand. And we know he will. If I, I, I've got a plan A and there's no B, C, D, E, F or 26 other letters. I've got plan A. I'm going to trust God. What if it don't work? Well, put me in the grave and put on the tombstone. First man ever to trust God and God proved himself not faithful. Because I know that God will fulfill his part. You get to a place where I won't be moved. My God has given me a word, and he's going to bring it to pass in my life. Won't you stand up on your feet and close your eyes and go before the Lord in prayer as we come to a close this morning. Lord, we bless your name, and we thank you, Father, for your power, your might, your grace, your goodness that's in this house today, Lord God. Lord, we thank you that you are the prayer-answering God. Oh, Lord, we're not begging you. We come before you in petition and faith, knowing that there is no other place we desire to go but you, Lord. For in you is all power and all authority. You are good. You are mighty and just. And you bring to us good and perfect gifts. For you are the Father of lights. And you do not change, Lord God. What you've done for one, you'll do for all. Anybody that comes to you, Father, in faith will receive what you've promised. And we thank you for that, Father. You know, maybe you're here today. You made a good decision to be in the house of God. But you realize Jesus is just not Lord of your life. The Holy Spirit has convicted your heart while you are hearing the word of God. And you know you need to make things right with God. Call it whatever you want. You just know you need to get right with God. If you're here today or you're watching, listening on the broadcast and you have never submitted to Christ and received him as Lord of your life or at some point you did, but you've grown cold. You went from godly to religious. Today is your day 
to be saved, to be remade and recreated, to receive the grace of God. If that's you, you know, the Bible says that Jesus said, if you will not deny me before men, I will not deny you before the Father. So I'm going to ask you a simple action. If you're here today and you want to receive salvation and you want to get right with God, would you raise your hand? Would you just lift up your hand right now? And, may, and just let God know, I want to get right with you. Wherever you're listening, wherever you're hearing, you have that opportunity to do that right now by faith. Let's pray. Let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Father, I thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross and fill my grave. And he is alive and seated at your right hand. And I confess him Lord of my life. I'll serve him all the days of my life. Jesus, you are my Lord in Jesus' name. If you believe that, lift up a hand clap of praise. Lord, we thank you that you are the great and mighty God. You are the great and mighty God. Let me pray this last prayer. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, your heart turned before God. If there's something in your life that you're believing God for, Bring it up into your heart and your mind right now. The Bible says we can look, there's just thousands of promises that God gives us, but just a few simple ones. Those that seek God, he will not withhold any good thing they desire of him. Psalms 84. Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Notice need, any kind of need, whatever you might have need of. If you're here in the house of God today and you need the power of God to resurrect a situation in your life, to bring healing to your body, to bring provision to your family, whatever wisdom for decision making, put that need, put that desire in your heart and your mind and pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, I thank you that you answer my prayer because your will plainly states you provide all that I have need of and what I have need of you're bringing provision now in Jesus name I'll live it I'll believe it I'll confess it and I believe that you are establishing your word in me in Jesus name if you love Jesus lift up a hand clap of praise oh it's good to have you in the house of God today I pray you have a wonderful week God bless you we'll see you next Sunday Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.